0: How are record fuel prices affecting logistics? Mitigating supply chain risk in food and beverage? And maritime shipping may be next in line for congressional action. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories, as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the group editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Beckoff. Discover intra-logistics automation without limits. Beckoff offers a complete, ultra-compact motion control system for automated material handling equipment, including a range of space-saving motor and drive solutions for BLDC, MDR, servo technology, and more. Make your move to better motion control by visiting beckoff.com/intralogistics. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insights into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, fuel prices just continue to rise, adding to the cost of transporting all the products that we use every day. Is there any end in sight? To find out,
1: here is Ben with today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, as you said, uh, have seen oil prices increase dramatically in global markets, uh, largely due to disruptions caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And while oil prices have since begun to drop again as that economic volatility calms a bit, drivers are still seeing the impact at the pump for both gasoline and for diesel fuel. And just as you said, that's hit transportation and logistics companies particularly hard since Trucks are the backbone of how we move goods around the country. Uh, here to talk with us today about the impact of rising fuel prices on that sector is this week's guest. We have Mary Murphy, who's Senior Director of Managed Logistics at Blue Grace Logistics. their third-party logistics provider. Welcome, Mary.
2: Thank you, Ben.
1: Uh, yeah, we're glad to have you with us here. It's busy times for sure. Um, can you give us an idea Of how bad it is out there after all gas prices usually move in cycles don't they but uh earlier this month we've seen some of the biggest jumps in almost 30 years
2: yes i mean it is definitely a significant spike and the percent of total shipping costs attributed to fuel right now are at a level that i have not seen or experienced and i've been in this industry for over 20 years so it's, it's big. It's definitely something that pretty much everyone is talking about. Every client is looking for um, some assistance in one way or another. But interestingly enough, it is coinciding with a slight softening of the market. So we're seeing some line haul rates coming down, which has helped with maybe mitigating a bit of the overall shipping costs. But it's definitely an, a huge impact right now
1: got it and so uh the, the, if those line haul rates come down then that might help um the, the, the shipper of, of course the the carrier the drivers is, is still seeing the the costs be high um in in yes. situations like that yeah Absolutely. in situations like that like think the average citizen or a consumer might be able to control those costs right uh, maybe they would work from home maybe they might even cancel a trip or something but the the you know trucking fleets really can't do that they, they have to cover those miles
2: yeah that's correct they they do and while some of the larger carriers they might have the ability to purchase in advance some of them might keep tanks on site and are able to hedge risk that way um the smaller providers and those are the those are the carriers that make up the bulk of our trucks on the road they typically only have access to fuel incentive programs and and those do not significantly offset these costs so it's 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 a challenge and Additionally, with the cost of running empty is being extremely high. They really, all these small to mid-sized carriers really need to ensure that they've got loaded miles. Um, One of the recent estimates that I had heard was that the typical cost of empty miles for a truck is around $2,000 per year, but they're anticipating that to go up to about $3,000 if fuel prices stay where they are
1: wow yeah that that that's real money uh yes. all of a sudden there uh, and, and and we're talking there about um about backhaul is that right but once the trucker delivers their load um they, they may not have uh a, a similar um the freight to put back into the uh in, into the truck to pull back the other direction
2: absolutely and certainly it's it's rare that they're going to have something exactly where they delivered right so they're typically going to do some sort of hauling empty, hopefully to a fairly close shipper to get their next shipment. But all those empty miles definitely take a toll because you're paying for fuel and you are not getting any revenue to offset that.
1: Right, right. Got it. Hard to avoid that. Um, right. which, at least faced with those challenges um one way that we've seen transportation and logistics providers handle some of those rising costs is by adding surcharges to to their fees uh, essentially passing the cost along um have you seen diesel fuel increases across the industry affecting that kind of surcharge rate
2: yes it's up across the board for less than truckload for truckload in fact I, i actually have seen several surcharge tables that would have, would have uh, capped, you know, they essentially didn't even go that high. They will continue because, you know, you have to add uh, the additional range, right, to to include the higher fuel. But the actual tables that you, you know, see in contracts did not even go this high in several occasions. So it's definitely wow. a very big piece. Um, and I would say a large number of, of shippers have been reaching out for cost you know analysis to understand more about their the fuel impact on their end
1: right, right for sure you know, I
2: mean that's a big piece and certainly trying to figure out how the fuel and really getting granular of how much fuel like is attributed to this one widget you know how do they understand is it something they should be passing along to their customers or are they going to try to ride the storm and so I get requests on the on a daily basis for that type of analysis.
1: Yeah, they're, they're really getting pinched there, it seems. Uh, and, yeah. and to make matters worse, um, you, you mentioned another interesting point uh, that that rising oil prices can also actually make prices tick up for end consumers, uh, for any product that uses petroleum as one of the ingredients that they, they use, um, you know, byproducts to make these things. And apparently that includes everyday stuff like sneakers and lotions and candles and trash bags. That's also uh, affecting some of this
2: yes i think that's a little slower to hit like as a consumer i have not experienced it but i do anticipate that those costs will start hitting the consumer if these fuel levels rise i know you mentioned that there has been a slight decline in the last week but they're still hovering at extremely high levels and i believe that retailers are seeing those costs on their products rising but are trying to grapple with what are we doing when do we pass this on you know how do we pass this this increase on because it's it's hit so suddenly so i think that if it stays like this yeah we are going to be paying more for lotion and trash bags and things like that um i just don't know if everyone's been able to get their arms around it enough yet to pass it on to that consumer
1: got it it, it takes time to filter through the system
2: yeah just like our you know i'm sure all of us experience when you go to the grocery store now and supply chain costs it, it took a while for that bottleneck in supply chain to to hit us as end consumers but i've seen it now pretty much everywhere
1: yep for sure and and as, as a 3pl um, at, at blue grace there you, you're really sort of in the middle and and uh, having conversations um with with both the shippers and with the truckers the carriers um and i know you mentioned that that you're getting you know calls on a daily basis to, to look for solutions but what sort of answers are, are you giving them
2: well, you know, on the carrier side, the big one is reducing the deadhead miles, as we already discussed, and, and the cost of moving an empty truck. So that's our focus for our carrier base: is to keep them running and to keep them full. As far as clients, I would say they're now looking at a lot more optimization analyses, too. They're more willing to hold on to shipments to increase their density or maybe making a larger window for shipping, getting something ready a couple of days in advance and trying to fill a truck. And that is in particular for those that don't typically use the entirety of a truck, or maybe even if you're shipping less than truckload, only a couple of pallets, they're holding onto those pallets to create a denser load um, and, and reduce their overall cost. Because once they can get, that, again, especially for LTL, it's a percent of the line haul. So you wanna get more shipped at a time. So we are definitely doing a lot of these types of analysis for our customers right now. I think the other thing that all these shippers are looking at doing is passing it on to all of us. So uh, those are basically the ways they're looking to offset these rising costs.
1: Got it. Yeah, the, those dominoes, uh, they, they just keep on tipping over and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and and it all filters through the system. Uh, Mary, we, we really appreciate your spending some time to, to talk us through some of these issues this week.
2: Thank you. I really enjoyed it.
1: Our guest today has been Mary Murphy from Blue Grace Logistics. Back to you, Dave. Thank you, Mary
0: and Ben. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. And Victoria, you wrote this week about a new report from the food industry that discusses their major supply chain concerns. Can you tell us more?
3: Sure. Yeah. So um, executives in the food and beverage industry are really stepping up their efforts to uh, mitigate supply chain risks following you know, it's really two years of delays and disruptions to uh, business operations. And that's according to a report from the advisory firm Mazars. Um, this report is called the Annual Food and Beverage Industry Outlook for the United States. And it actually covers a wide range of issues pertinent to the food and beverage. That includes things like sales trends, changing consumer buying habits, um, consolidation and acquisi- ac- acquisitions in the industry. But what stood out for me is that supply chain issues have risen to the top of, the industry, of industry leaders' concerns. More than half, I think it was about 54% of survey respondents said their top industry concerns this year are shipping costs, container costs, and or un- other unexpected fees at ports. Some other concerns included rising commodity costs, the need for supply chain improvements, delays due to shipping congestion, and truck driver availability. Now, these are all um, issues we talk about regularly from an overall logistics and supply chain perspective. But I think it's interesting to see how they're affecting specific industries, especially the food supply chain, which is, of course, important to all of us.
0: Right. It certainly is. Um, Victoria, did the report mention any strategies that the food industry is using to address these problems?
3: Uh, Yes. And these are familiar uh, tactics and terms as well. So to combat the uh, unpredictability they're experiencing and better manage risks and costs, uh, 41% of the respondents said they're making strategic investments in supply chain diversification. And 45% said they plan plan to um, increase their number of suppliers this year. Um, They also said they plan to source more domestically and seek alternative products to um, address all of these problems we're talking about. The survey also asked how companies will prioritize supply chain improvements, and respondents said they'll focus on the cost of goods, followed by product delivery time, uh, knowledge and information sharing, and food safety issues. And that last one is really important in this industry, of course, because um, you know delays and disruptions can lead to um, you know loss of income, but also, you know, due to spoilage, but it's also a a health and safety concern. So like we've said over and over again, the past two years, um, logistics and supply chain has really taken on a much higher profile and is something companies across so many industries are paying more attention to these days.
0: Certainly is. Thanks, Victoria. You're welcome. And Ben, you wrote this week about a proposed Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Can you share some details about that?
1: That's right, we've been talking about some uh, some challenges really uh, in, in a lot of parts of the industry, but uh, thankfully we can now talk a little bit about some efforts to find some solutions. Uh, we've been covering Washington a lot this year, and that's because Congress has found a way to pass several significant acts affecting the logistics sector in spite of the partisan you know, bickering and resentment that usually gums these things up. Uh, one, of course, was the infrastructure bill in 2021. Uh, And another was the Postal Service Reform Bill, just earlier this month. And now we have a third logistics area bill uh, that appears destined for success. You always have to be careful saying that with federal politics, but this one has lots of supporters. I'm talking about the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, which on uh, Tuesday this week passed a vote in a Senate committee, and it's now due uh, to come before the full Senate for a vote. Since it's already passed the House uh, at the end of last year, It would then be reconciled with that previous version and then it would head to the White House where President Biden has said he supports it. So uh, when you add all that up, it could take effect as soon as this spring. Uh, What it would do, uh, the bill is an attempt to fix some of the big container backups at the maritime ports that have contributed to some of the supply chain problems we talk about. The supporters of the bill say that it would keep U.S. exports more viable in foreign markets by preventing what they call unfair ocean carrier practices. And what they mean by that is, um, in their words, exorbitant freight rates, uh, declined booking requests, unreasonable freight and demerge and detention charges. So it would control those things by strengthening the Federal Maritime Commission uh, ability to have oversight and enforcement. As a reminder, uh, I had to look this up myself, but the FMC defines itself as an independent federal agency and they're responsible for regulating a U.S. international ocean transportation system in order to benefit U.S. exporters, importers, and consumers.
0: Well, Ben, this all sounds like it could be a real solution to the port congestion problem and other maritime issues we've been reporting on.
1: Is there anybody opposed to this approach? I'm glad you asked. Uh, the answer is, of course, uh, there is some resistance, and that comes uh, particularly from the ocean carrier trade group, uh, the World Shipping Council. Now, of course, They represent those ocean carriers who may be headed for stricter oversight. So maybe it's not surprising that they oppose it. Uh, But they do make some uh, strong points. First, they say that the container shipping industry is not as uncompetitive or monopolistic as uh, some of the supporters say. And secondly, they say that the bill would do nothing to address some of the root causes of our supply chain congestion on the land side. So the group pointed out that Americans, uh, consumers that is, continue to import goods at record levels, uh, so much so that the U.S. ports and the land side logistics workforce is just unable to process all that cargo at once. And they say that the ocean carriers, meanwhile, have deployed all the ships they have, but the log jams on land are what's keeping the vessels stuck outside U.S. ports. So you can see there's some finger pointing going on. But there's so much bipartisan support for the reform bill that it looks to be on really strong footing for that upcoming Senate vote. On the industry and business side, uh, for example, it has some support from groups like the Agricultural Transportation Coalition and the American Apparel and Footwear Association. And in Congress, it has the support of a group in the House of Representatives that's called the Problem Solvers Caucus. Uh, That's a bipartisan group that says it gets behind ideas that appeal to the broad spectrum of the American people. So uh, you know a lot of moving parts here to track, but uh, best we can tell, it looks to be sailing toward uh, probable success.
0: Right. Uh, And sailing is right. So we'll keep an eye on how the legislation progresses through Congress. Thanks, Ben. You sure will. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. And be sure to check out the podcast notes section for some direct links on the topics that we discussed today. And our thanks again to Mary Murphy of Blue Grace Logistics for being our guest today. We welcome your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform. Our new episodes are uploaded on Fridays. And speaking of subscribing, we encourage you to check out our new sister podcast series, Supply Chain in the Fast Lane. is co-produced by the Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals and Supply Chain Quarterly. The initial series looks at the state of logistics. This past Tuesday, we discussed the parcel industry. Next Tuesday, we'll be looking at the trucking market. Subscribe to Supply Chain in the Fast Lane wherever you get your podcast, and be sure to catch the past episodes. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Bekoff. Discover Intralogistics automation without limits. Bekoff offers a complete ultra-compact motion control system for automated material handling equipment, including a range of space-saving motor and drive solutions for BLDC, MDR, servo technology, and more. Make your move to better motion control by visiting beckoff.com intralogistics. Next week, our entire staff will be in full force at Modex in Atlanta, so we're taking a week off from this podcast, and be sure to join us again in two weeks. Until then, please stay well and have a great week.